We're turning in God's Word this evening to the very same passage that we uh, turned to this morning, the same chapter at least, not the exact verses, but the same chapter, uh, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And again, we're going to break into the chapter. It's quite a lengthy portion of God's Word. We'll break into the chapter, uh, the verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14. And again, we are brought to the eve of the crucifixion, uh, the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly this was uppermost in the mind of our Savior. And he speaks of his suffering uh, for the sins of his people here uh, it's a very important passage, the final words of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, before he comes to Calvary itself. And we read here in verse 14, And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. But I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And then turning to the verse 39, verse 39, uh, where the Lord Jesus goes forth to Gethsemane. We read here, and he came out, <coughs> excuse me, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Amen. We know that God will add his own divine blessing upon the reading of his holy and precious word to each and every heart. I want you to keep that passage to hand, uh, but our text is found uh, earlier on in Luke's Gospel. Uh, Luke chapter 6, if you want to turn that portion up. Uh, Luke chapter 6. And before we come to our text, let's bow again together in the presence of God. Uh, we feel, we sense our need of the Lord's help and certainly of his power and his presence uh, in our gathering here tonight. Uh, so we need to earnestly pray, every believer crying to the Lord uh, with your heart that God will visit us tonight. That the Lord will deal with his people, uh, but especially that God in mercy will deal with sinners and bring some soul to that saving knowledge of the Saviour himself. Let's all bow together and seek God's face in prayer. Our gracious God and our eternal Father in heaven, we thank thee for the scriptures of truth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. We thank thee that we come to thy word with confidence, with boldness, 
And we pray tonight that by thy word you would deal and speak to every heart. We thank thee for the spirit of truth, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst. And we pray that the Holy Ghost will come with power and bring some sinner to repentance, bring some soul to faith in Jesus Christ. We realize again salvation is all of grace. And we need the amazing grace of God, the miracle of the new birth. And we pray that thou would come in mercy and visit our homes, visit our families. But Lord, in a special way, visit this congregation tonight. Lord, help us to sense thy presence in our midst. We realize the presence of God is a fearful thing. God is glorious in his holiness. Thou art the holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. And O God, we thank thee for the covering of the blood of Christ. We thank thee that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ tonight. Or how could we enter thy presence with joy, with gladness, with confidence? But O God, there are those in our meeting house tonight and they are still not saved. Lord, we pray that there might be that a trembling of the soul. There might be that fear, that reverence, that dread even of God and of holy things. And we pray that some soul will truly flee from the wrath that is to come. There is wrath. Hell is very real. And oh God, we pray that through the blood of Christ, some soul will be delivered from the power and from the penalty of sin this night. For we ask these things in our Saviour's name. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, for we ask it for Christ's sake and for our Savior's glory. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 6 and the verse 16 is part of a list, a list of the names of the twelve disciples. And we're taking verse 16 as our text tonight, uh, where it simply says, And Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. One of the great difficulties facing the church of Jesus Christ today is, of course, the difficulty, the problem of false professions of faith. Uh, Throughout church history, there have always been those who have professed the name of the Lord, and yet in reality they've never truly been born of God's Spirit. Uh, They have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, Even in our own denomination we have to acknowledge uh, that many through the years they've gone out from us uh, because they were not of us. They were not uh, truly the children of the living God. I remember when we first went out to the land of Jamaica uh, back in January 1993, And I think in that first year we dealt with well over a hundred souls, counseled well over a hundred people. And we had the great hope and uh, the thought that uh, the work was going to simply take off. Uh, But sad to say after that year there was still only maybe half a dozen young people and a few elderly ladies in the congregation. Because many people would make a profession of faith and yet it would be a worthless, indeed less than worthless profession And certainly if those same souls are trusting in that profession of faith, uh, then sad to say their profession will help sink them into the very depths of hell. Uh, Throughout church history, uh, the church of Jesus Christ has been plagued with many who profess the name of the Lord, and yet they do not have the experience of the new birth. They do not truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. Some, as we've mentioned, that becomes uh, evident. It is clear to see uh, from their life, from their testimony, that they have not been born again. But then there are others, and they remain in the church. Uh, They pull the wool, so to speak, over the uh, session's eyes, over the minister's eyes, over the eyes of the presbytery, whatever. And they go on, certainly for a time. Uh, But then it becomes evident there also Uh, that they are not truly the children of the living God. Some fall away into uh, great sins, and again they give occasion uh, to the world to mock and to ridicule. But then again there are those, and the Bible tells us, uh, they will, as it were, 
remain in the church growing as tares with the wheat, even unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ returns, uh, certainly he will know infallibly uh, those who belong to him and those who are false professors of faith. Indeed, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us on the judgment day, uh, there will be even some people and they will think that they were truly his people and they will have a rude awakening. The Savior says many, not a few, but many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, many will acknowledge that Christ is the Lord. Many will have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord. He's not speaking here of the Islamic world. He's not speaking here of uh, other world religions or atheists or whatever. He is speaking here of the professing Christian. Many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied or preached in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? And then the Lord will say unto them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And there are many in the professing church of Jesus Christ today. And whether you like to hear it or not, I have no doubt even within our own denomination, who have a false profession of faith, but they do not, in reality, they do not have a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here in our text, we read of two men. Two men, indeed, bearing the very same name, Judas. One was a true believer. The other was not. And yet both were listed here among the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one was a true disciple, with all his failures, with all his faults, with all his sin. He had truly the experience of the new birth. He was born again. He was bought and washed in the blood of the Lamb. He was truly trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas the other was a false apostle. He had a false profession of faith. Oh, certainly he was a man who uh, professed the name of Jesus Christ. He openly, uh, in a physical sense, he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he was looked upon as a great preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he performed miracles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was not a true disciple. He was not a man of God. He had never been born again. As we are about to see when he died. He went to his own place. The son of perdition. Is lost in hell. In the time that we have this evening I want to. Look at this very sobering study. These solemn truths concerning Judas Iscariot, the traitor. Now in the first place, I want to emphasize the times of Judas Iscariot. Whatever else can be said about the time in which Judas lived, it was certainly a great time. It was a time of great gospel privilege and tremendous a gospel opportunity. After all, Judas Iscariot lived in the time of the earthly life and the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is more, he actually uh, firsthand witnessed the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our brother was mentioning uh, in the announcements this morning what a privilege it would have been to have uh, watched the Lord in the course of his ministry, to have heard Christ, to have witnessed these things uh, firsthand. Well, here was a man, and what a glorious environment he lived in. He walked with Christ. He was there with the Savior. He, he witnessed the Lord uh, do these great miracles. Uh, the blind received their sight. 
I don't know if you were watching the uh, news, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, where this lady, I think she was in her 40s, uh, through the advancements in medicines and so forth, uh, they were able to implant something within her, and for the first time she could hear sounds. For the very first time she heard her name. And she burst into tears with uh, the thrill and the excitement uh, that was merely the advancements in medicine. But the Lord Jesus Christ and Judas Iscariot was there when the deaf were made to hear. When the lame were made to walk. When those who had been possessed by demons and uh, they were running through the tombs and other places naked or chained. And they were uh, through supernatural powers bursting the chains asunder. Judas saw those same people uh, sitting down at the feet of Christ, clothed and in their right minds. Indeed, Judas Iscariot saw the Lord Jesus Christ raise the dead to life. He witnessed the miracles. And as I said earlier, what is more, uh, he had the power even to do miracles himself. And yet he was not saved. There are many people, and if you uh, confront them with the gospel today, the demands of Christ, uh, they will say, well, if only I could have been there, if only I could have seen those things, then I would be a believer, but it's a lie. We see God doing wonders in the world today. We see events in the world today, sometimes even disasters, calamities, or ill health, or sickness, or death comes, and you think, surely that will awaken the soul, surely uh, that will speak to the heart, surely uh, that person or that family, uh, they must now come to Christ. But yet we see the power of sin, we see the bondage of sin, we see the grip that sin has upon the soul. Indeed, we are reminded again and again that the natural man is dead uh, spiritually in trespasses and in sin. He is incapable of coming of his own accord, of his own power to the Lord Jesus Christ. What is needed, and we are reminded of this again and again, regardless of man's environment, he is in absolute need of the new birth. It's by the way, in a sense, but believer, uh, this stresses the need for prayer. Your private prayer life, our public prayer life, as a congregation, we must be men and women of prayer. Because no matter what else we do, we, we are under pressure to uh, bring all kinds of gimmicks into the church, to do this, to do that, to do the other thing. And it seems we have forgotten if a soul is to be saved from sin, if a soul is to be saved from hell, then God must bring that man, that woman, that young person to the new birth. Only God can give life. And yet in his word, God assures us that he will work in answer to prayer. And he will work through the preaching of his word. We live in days when it seems even in so-called evangelistic circles, the word of God is pushed more and more and more to the side. But God is still pleased. I believe the Bible. God is still pleased through the foolishness of preaching because he said we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel just in the early New Testament era, no. During the time of the Reformation, no. During the times of the Great Awakenings, the Revivals, no. But to the end of the age, to the end of the world, to the end of time. This is God's way of building His church. This is God's way of doing His work through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Backed up and reinforced. By men and women on their knees and upon their faces. At the throne of grace and prayer. We need God to move. Judas witnessed the miracles of Christ. But again it must be said he listened to the preaching of Christ. Christ who spake as never a man spoke. Christ who always preached in the fullness of of the power of the Holy Ghost. Christ had the Spirit of God beyond measure. And yet even here Judas Iscariot was not saved. We read this evening where he sat at the Passover. The Passover gate uh, pictured of the gospel. 
We think of Israel down in Egypt in the house of bondage and slavery. And the Lord delivered them how? By the blood of the Passover lamb. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. They were delivered from slavery by the blood of that lamb. And that lamb was a picture of Christ, our Passover. No doubt Judas saw the emblem. He saw the slaughter of the lamb. He saw the blood of sprinkling. And Christ, the greatest of all the gospel preachers, would have explained the significance. But even there, Judas was not saved. Some might disagree, but I think the Bible is very clear uh, that when the Lord's Supper was instituted, as we read this evening, the hand of Judas Iscariot, the traitor, was on the table. On the Lord's table. As Christ spoke of the blood of the covenant. In eternity God the Father entered into a covenant. An agreement, a promise with his son. And he gave unto Christ a people, a covenant people. And Christ covenanted, Christ promised from eternity to enter into this world to take our nature, becoming bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, and to shed his blood, that covenant blood, the blood of the everlasting covenant, for the salvation of the souls of men and women. Judas was there when he heard of the blood of the covenant. But Judas wasn't saved. And he was never saved. Some think perhaps Judas was at one stage a true genuine believer. And uh, then on the night of the betrayal he lost his salvation. But that's nonsense. He was never a child of God. If you turn in your Bible there to John's Gospel. Uh, John chapter uh, 6 and the verse 70 and 71. Uh, we read here of Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of the traitor Judas Iscariot, again, he doesn't expose Judas at this time, but he makes it known that uh, one of the twelve would betray him. And he says here, Jesus answered them, John six seventy. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. Is a devil in the present tense. Not one of you will become a devil. Not one of you will... Lose his salvation and become a traitor. But one of you is now a devil. Presently as you profess to be a disciple. I know who you are. I know what you are. I know your heart. I know you're a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him. Being one of the twelve. Long before the act of treachery took place in time. Christ knew the nature of Judas. Christ knew the heart of this man Iscariot. He recognized as his eyes pierced into his soul. That he was not a child of God. He did not have the nature of Jesus Christ. He was a devil. Turn again to John chapter 12, and this is emphasized further, John 12 verse 6. And here we are reading of Judas Iscariot uh, and how he opposed uh, those who sought to serve the Lord, uh, how he opposed Christ himself. We read here this, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a thief. Again, long before the act of treachery took place in the garden, uh, this man, Judas Iscariot, he was a thief. Yes, he was uh, physically following the Lord. He was preaching the word. He was doing miracles and other works. He was even, uh, as we read here, he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. In other words, he was entrusted with the finances, the treasurer, if you like. But Christ knew his heart. And Christ says he was a thief. Indeed we learn here. He cared not for the poor. 
You know, when a man is born again, he receives a new heart. And the Bible tells us the law of God is written upon his heart. <coughs> if you have the experience of the new birth, well, here's the evidence. You have a heart that loves the law of God. His commandments are not grievous. It's not a grief to your soul to spend the Lord's day as you have spent it in his house. The life of holiness. It's not easy because we have remaining corruption. We emphasize that this morning. Paul says the things I hate I do and so on and so forth. We do have that inward struggle, that battle again. That very struggle is evidence that you have the new birth. But the fact is this. We can say with the psalmist of old. Oh how love I thy law. We have a heart. We have a nature that loves the law of God. We can say with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, I delight in the law of God. And only a man who has the experience of the new birth can truly and honestly say these words. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What is the law of God? It hasn't changed. The moral law is the same as it always has been. The Ten Commandments, a summary of God's moral law. It's condensed down further in the Old Testament, and Christ emphasizes it in the New Testament. Uh, the two greatest of all the commandments, to love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, with all thy mind, with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Do you love God? Uh, we don't love him perfectly. We don't love him as much as we should. But again, we can say uh, with John, I love him. Maybe your love is not what it once was. When we first met the Lord, man, we loved him more than anything. We loved him more than anyone. Is that how it is tonight, child of God? Well, certainly we can say if we have the experience of the new birth, I love him because he first loved me. But the second commandment is also written upon the new heart. Love thy neighbor as thyself. But Judas didn't have any love in his heart for the poor. And we're not in the business of the social gospel. Let me tell you this, if you have the experience of the new birth, you'll have a heart for the needy, compassion upon the poor. I think of the Apostle Paul, and he was to the forefront in bringing aid to those in need. Do we not often sing that little hymn, I want, dear Lord, a heart like thine, a heart that feels for all? Do you have such a heart? Christ looked into the soul of Judas Iscariot. He saw a devil. He saw a thief. He saw a man that had no heart for God. A man who had no genuine love for his fellow man. What does God see in you this evening? I see your face. I see the suits, the ties, the hats. I see the external reverence. The God with whom we have to do this evening. His eyes pierce into your soul. Does he see Christ? Does he see a new heart? Does he see a new nature? I'm not here to cause doubt in the mind of any genuine believer, but the Bible commands us. To examine ourselves. 
examine yourself as to whether or not you are truly in the faith. Make your calling and election sure. These things are written that ye might know without a shadow of a doubt that you have everlasting life. As we read God's word, may his spirit witness and testify to our spirits that we are truly the children of the living God. (coughs) Or may the Holy Ghost expose your falsehood and bring you genuinely and truly to repentance and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But having looked at the times of Judas Iscariot, notice here in the second place very quickly the treachery of Judas Iscariot. The very word, of course, traitor, conjures up in the mind a dreadful picture. A traitor is someone who, perhaps in time of war, uh, betrays his comrades uh, or betrays his country. A traitor is someone who will uh, turn against his friends. Certainly that was true of Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot betrayed the greatest friend he ever had when he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. I know there are some and uh, they would try to tell us that God has no love for people like Judas Iscariot and even the privileges that men like Judas experienced in their life and times as one person put it to me one time well that's just God uh, fattening up the old pig for the sizzling flames in hell. I doubt very much if they know God at all. God says in his word, his word is truth. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. (laughs) I think of when the Lord Jesus Christ looked over Jerusalem and he saw the inhabitants of the city How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathereth her chickens, but ye would not. And again, how the Lord looked over that city and her inhabitants who would cry out, crucify him. And his heart was melted and his eyes overflowed with tears. I think it was Robert Murray McShane preaching upon those words. McShane said he could see them lying down in hell. And he wept for them. I have no time for that hellish doctrine. That hellish doctrine. They would say Christ was here just fattening up Judas Iscariot for the flames of hell. Jesus Christ was the best friend Judas Iscariot ever had. Indeed, Jesus Christ speaks of his friendship. As Judas drew near to betray him, the friend of publicans and sinners, he looks Judas Iscariot in the eye and he says, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Christ knew why he had come. Friend, wherefore art thou come? Certainly every Christian here, we we love those hymns, such as we sang this evening, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Every Christian here can testify through our life's experience that Jesus Christ truly is that friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Let me assure every on save man, woman and child in this house the friend of publicans and the friend of sinners the one who was the best friend Judas Iscariot ever had is the best friend you have ever had I wonder what you will do with the friendship of Christ I'll tell you something more Jesus Christ loves you Some men be afraid to say that from the pulpit, but I want to tell you this, if Jesus Christ doesn't love you, I'm going to hell. For the law of God was certainly written on his heart. 
He loved his father perfectly. But he loved his neighbor perfectly. And he who commanded his people to love their enemies and be like their father which is in heaven, he certainly loved his enemies. I think of that man who came to Christ and he rejected the Savior. The Bible says the Lord was full of sorrow because he loved him. No one ever loved Judas Iscariot as Christ loved him. And no one has ever loved you as Jesus Christ has loved you. So I know our standards are larger catechism, for example, speaks of God's special love for his elect. But God loves you, sinner. And his approach to you this evening is the approach of a friend. He reaches forth his hand, he offers you eternal life. That's a genuine offer. The tears of Christ over Jerusalem, they were not crocodile tears. There's nothing false about Christ. There's nothing false about his word. His word is truth. And if Jesus Christ doesn't love you, he's failed to keep the law. If Jesus Christ hadn't loved Judas Iscariot, he failed to love his neighbor, he failed to love his enemies, he failed to keep the law, and he has no perfect righteousness to give you, he's no perfect righteousness to give me, and we are doomed. He kept the law. He said, I delight to do thy will. It was his delight to love Judas. It was his delight to be the friend of sinners. But how will you treat the friendship of Christ? Will you throw his friendship back in his teeth as Judas did? Or will you bow before him and embrace him as your saviour and your friend? Of course, the sin of treachery here was aggravated furthermore because as Judas drew near to Christ, the Bible says he kissed him. The symbol of friendship, certainly the symbol, the emblem of love. It was also the sign of treachery. You think about it. The context here, where was Christ? What had Christ been doing? He was in the garden. He was praying. He was agonizing in prayer so much so the Bible tells us uh, that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Judas came. They pressed his lips against the very face of God. Not only so, but he pressed his lips against the face of God drenched in blood. And he went to hell. It was interesting when the conscience of Judas was awakened and tormented. He went to the religious leaders of the day. He could have said, I have betrayed The innocent son of God, that would have been true, but that's not what he said. He said, I have betrayed the innocent blood. The blood of Christ was innocent, holy, incorruptible blood. It was truly human blood. If that was not the case, again, we're all doomed to hell. I know there's this thought going about in some circles that the blood of uh, the child doesn't mix with the blood of the mother and all the rest. But the Bible says the, the human body, the human nature of Christ, and not even going to the, the soul and all the rest, but his, his body, his bones, his, 
sinews, his skin, his flesh, his blood. Paul says by inspiration, made of a woman. As our confession of faith says, made of Mary's substance. Christ was a real man. He was the God-man. But his human nature was truly human. His blood was really human blood. Oh, it was precious blood. Because of the dignity of Christ's person, it was blood of eternal value, blood of everlasting worth. As great theologian John Owen once said, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save a million worlds of sinners. So precious to God. But Judas came and he pressed his lips against the blood and he betrayed it. As we read in Hebrews, he treated the blood of Christ as an unholy thing, as a as common blood. He trampled underfoot the Son of God. How will you treat the blood of Christ? You may not look upon it as God looks upon it, but each time you leave this place, each time you reject Jesus Christ, you're trampling underfoot the blood of the Lamb. Christ is despised, the Bible says, and rejected of men. To reject Christ is evidence that you despise him. That you hate him. And that's why you will not come to him. In closing, notice here the torment of Judas Iscariot. His times, his treachery, but notice here his torment. Having betrayed Christ, Judas couldn't live with himself. He was a lover of money, filthy lucre. But 30 pieces of silver became a curse, a burden to his soul. He went to those who had paid him the money. He went to the religious leaders of his day for help. A tormented conscience. Overwhelmed with guilt. What was their answer? See you to that. They didn't care about the soul of Judas Iscariot. They were no friends. Just like many so-called religious leaders, gospel ministers, evangelists today. He found no help there. We read there in Matthew 27 verse 5. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And went out and hanged himself. Uh, Just last year. Not a close family member but someone connected to our family circle. Took his own life. Sat in that funeral service. And listened to an old rascal who called himself a minister of the gospel. Addressing friends and family of that young man. We had no message for them. No help for needy souls. Reminded me of what great apostasy we face in this land. I think sometimes even in our own denomination we're beginning to forget that. Outside our dogs, the Bible says. 
Call them what they are. Apostate dogs. And God has brought this church into existence to preach Christ unashamedly. We have the message of salvation. Those religious leaders had no message for Judas Iscariot. And there are many churches in this land today that have no message for guilty sinners. They have no message for an awakened conscience. They have no message for a tormented conscience. This book has the message. You need the conscience to be purged, to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ. And through the blood of our Savior's cross, you can have peace with God. Eternal peace. I know this is a very sensitive matter, but sadly Judas, like so many others, discovered to his unspeakable horror, to his eternal shame, that suicide will never bring peace to the troubled sinner's soul. Could be there's even one in this house tonight. (coughs) The thought has come to your own mind. I can't go on. It is enough. I can't take any more. You need to come to Christ. That's the answer. You need to come to the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You need the joy of God's salvation. You need the peace of God that has passed all understanding through the blood of the Lamb. In Mark 14, verse 21, the Lord said of Judas, The Son of Man, with this we finish tonight, our time is gone again. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good it were for that man. If he had never been born. Those are sobering words. Dreadful words. But the words of Christ, his word is truth. Can you not hear Judas Iscariot above the bedlam of hell crying out, I wish to God, I wish to God. Had never, never been born. That's the very same eternity that awaits your soul. If you dare to live in your sin and die outside of Jesus Christ, an eternity of unbearable, endless torment. Don't be a fool. Come to Christ tonight. Come as a sinner to Jesus Christ tonight. He will save you. He will save you now. He will save all who come unto God by him. But you must come. Come as you are, to Jesus. Let's bow together for prayer. Again, let me say, the meeting will soon be over. I'm about to pray and close the service. I'm not in any pressure to leave. I'll be here Keep your seat, come back in when others have gone home or say to me at the door, speak to someone else here tonight if you feel more at ease with them. Or better still, don't wait at all, come right now. 
where you sit and trust in the Lord, turn from your sin. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. You can do it between yourself and God and go home and say to nobody. But we would love to know. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you. Love to read the scriptures and rejoice with you in your salvation. <coughs> but your salvation is the, the all-important issue. Come to Christ tonight. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And leave this meeting rejoicing in God's grace and in God's mercy. Our Father and our God, we do thank thee for thy presence. We thank thee that God has been searching our hearts. And Lord, we thank thee that we have no other argument, we have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that Jesus died for me. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness that's all we have. Lord, we thank thee for thyself. We thank thee for the cross, the suffering, the agony, the blood. We thank thee for thy presence here. Lord, in mercy, speak to some soul. Draw some man, woman, boy, girl to thyself with the cords of loving kindness and save them not for the years of time alone but for an endless eternity. Now, Lord, part us in thy fear. And with thy blessing abiding upon all who love the Lord Jesus Christ, in sincerity and in truth. For we ask all these things in Christ's name. And for his sake. Amen.